to episode 21 of Rockstar Violinist. I'm your host, Matt Bell. We haven't heard a lot of Bach in this podcast series so far. We're going to hear a lot today, but it won't be like the Bach you've heard before. This episode of Rockstar Violinist is brought to you by Electric Violin Shop, the world leader in electric bowed strings. EVS ships to 90 countries worldwide and is universally considered the place to go for all of your electric strings needs, instruments, amps, effects, and advice. Daniela Padron grew up in Venezuela playing both classical and traditional Venezuelan music. She has a bachelor's degree in music from Venezuela, so she's a trained classical musician, but she was also nominated for a Latin Grammy in 2013 for her work with the world music band Gaelica. So she's a versatile player performing both written and improvised music at a very high level. We're listening right now to her version of the Bach double from her album, Bach de Venezuela. We'll listen to more of this as the interview goes on, as well as some live cuts and some of her work with Gaelica. But right now, let's get to my chat with Daniela Padron, rock star violinist. So, you've got a tune that you want to, you want to talk about, this tune. Um, and we'll play it for you guys, and, and we'll talk about it. And sort of, Daniela's going to break down sort of the thought process behind how, how she put this together. Yeah, before, before you guys listen to it, the, the, it is important for you to know that it's a tune that was originally uh, made for piano or for, for harpsichord by Johann Sebastian Bach, uh, and it's in C-sharp major, which is a very oh my goodness. difficult key, I would say, for any any instrument. But, yeah, definitely for violin, it's very un- unusual. Sure. So, um, what we did with, with this piece uh, in the album, it, it was recorded as originally was written. So, for harpsichord, in this case, we recorded with a piano. And my mom is the one who recorded the piano, so that makes it even more special. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And... After the, the the piece finishes a prelude, so it's not longer than a minute and 12 seconds, something like that, we re-recorded, but this time taken to Venezuela-style music in, in terms of horopo. So what I did with that tune was basically taking the right hand of the piano and converting it into the violin. Okay. Uh, the left hand I recorded with a harp, and then I harmonized the the whole piece like I, I I try to try to understand by the the melodies that the right and the left hand has what was the harmony that, that Bach was re- written there and with that harmony I gave it to the bass and to the quattro player and that's how we put together this preludium in in a rhythm of horopo that is one of the the most common rhythm well the the folk rhythm the the most well known folk rhythm in Venezuela horopo okay. Yeah, and talk about that rhythm. What what is that? Well, it's a rhythm. <laughs> the the configuration for a typical horopo is gonna be instead of the violin. I I just talked you to you about a quartet, right? I was telling you, um, harp, cuatro, maracas, and the bass. Okay. And there's always a voice singing instead of having the voice. In this case, I just I just did it with the with the violin. Okay. So it's a, a I would say a quintet. 
uh, rhythm. Uh, it is really from the roots and it's a 6 eighth rhythm. Uh, when you think about it, when I first think of Horopa, I see that is the maracas, okay. the, the, the instrument that, that takes that rhythm. Um, the Horopo is a rhythm that is usually played in the in the plains of Venezuela. So, so they they talk that all the lyrics of the songs they're always talking about what's happening and like what the person is seeing, like oh how beautiful this morning is and look at the cow and uh, like those are the type of lyrics. Oh, of course, there's romantic Horopo songs, but sure. like the. I would say the majority of the of the lyrics are about how the the llaneros, the people from from the plains, feel at that moment. How, what what are they seeing? How the mountain the mountains look at that morning? I don't know. Like that's that's kind of the feeling of it. And um, I really uh, like that rhythm because it, it it makes me happy. It's a it's a it's a very joyful type of music and. Uh, what we did with this piece that we were listening to, uh, it's basically put that C-sharp major super shiny tonality into that super brightful also uh, rhythm. So yeah, that's pretty much what Hotel Boys. So the original Bach piece was in 4? The original Bach piece is... Wow, what a good question! <laughs> Yes, it was in four. Okay, so you've got to you got to overlay that over six eight. Yeah, exactly. But it it overlays perfectly. I mean, I didn't change one note of what what Bach uh, wrote down. I I added things and changed the orchestration instead of having the the right hand and the left hand. Well, I I, I as I explained to you later I, before, I put the violin and the harp. But I didn't change not even one note, so everything that Bach wrote is in there, intact, and we just put and build things around it. Okay. And I, I decided to pick this this piece because it really gives you like the before and after of the of the music because you hear the whole entire piece. Well, one minute of piece mm -hmm. <laughs> at the beginning, and then you hear the the whole thing fusion with a completely different rhythm. So. Where did this idea of merging European classical music with Venezuelan folk music, where did that idea come from? Well, I, uh, I, I felt at some point, Matt, uh, well, let me tell you a little bit about my, about my story so this makes sense. Sure. Uh, I've uh, been playing the violin since I was four years old. I'm from Caracas, Venezuela, and it was... At the age of 25, I got married and decided to move from Venezuela to the United, to the United States. Uh, basically, trying to look for a better future for my new family that I was just about to, to begin with my husband. Uh, because the situation in Venezuela, in any terms, politics, economics, it was really, really, really bad. It's worse now, but anyway, at that point it was already... And not looking good at all. We're talking about 2012. So when I came here, uh, I already had some a very good experience uh, back in Venezuela, took, uh, playing with a band, a band that is fusioning Celtic music with world music. Okay. Like uh, we we played back there um, Celtic music with tango or with salsa 
or with just fusioning. And that fusion gave me that flavor of, of putting things together. And I, I, I'm a person that I, 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 really, I really like, for example, having sushi with um, sweet plantain. Or mm -hmm. like eating a sundae from McDonald's with, with the french fries. Like, I like mixing things that are, aren't supposed to be together. I, I really find that joyful, and, and, and it's, it's always a fun thing to do. So, I started feeling that I needed to create uh, something of my own. Uh, as I am telling you, I was already performing with Gaelica, that is the name of the band, in Venezuela. Um, we, I mean, with them I had such a blast... Uh, touring around the country, we actually came to the States to perform, and we went to Panama, we went to, to so many places, and that gave me kind of that flavor of, oh, I like being on stage, not only performing classical music, that was like my my basic foundation on, on, on the music, but also this this pop and being rock festivals, because there, we were the only band that played... Celtic music in Venezuela, so there were no <laughs> festivals that we could fit in. Right. But the people really liked it, so they invited us uh, to different rock festivals. So you would hear people uh, screaming and all dressed in black, and then oh, and here with you, Gaelic, and they would dance Celtic music with them. <laughs> it was it was very very fun and very very nice. Celtic music is super joyful as well, and I I, I would think that. In general, in Latin America, we, we, we're happy people, but Venezuela has a special uh, extra point on that. Like, we, we really like celebrating life, and we, we are joyful people. That, at least that's what I, what I believe. Um, so, when I came to the States, I, I decided that I, I wanted to have my, my own project. And trying to look for that project... Uh, being out of, outside of, the, of your country, especially not necessarily wanting to be there, it's like, man, okay, your roots start expanding to where you come from, actually. And although Venezuelan music has always been there for me, like I've been, uh, especially in family reunions, uh, we play some, some tunes, like folk uh, tunes, All, everybody in my family plays an instrument. Everybody. Okay. So, um, any Sunday afternoon that we we would meet to have lunch, we would have uh, somebody playing the cuatro, which is the the it's it's kind of like a guitar ukulele fusion that we have in Venezuela, uh, a four string instrument as well. But it, it sounds pretty. You're gonna hear it in the in the tune. And yeah, somebody plays the guitar, my mom sits in the piano, I will play the violin, and we, we will play some folk music uh, from, from our country. But to, to be honest, I never played, like performed live Venezuelan music. So being here, I started looking uh, and researching about Venezuelan music, like really understanding the different rhythms that, that they are there. And one day I, wa I was in my in my car and these we were about uh, we just finished a class with some of my students who were working on the invention number four of Johann Sebastian Bach in minor and I couldn't stop thinking of the of the maracas joining that that melody like I, I could hear it in my in in my head so as soon as I got home I recorded like these uh, layers. I started by recording 
the the right hand of the piano then the left hand of the piano and I was like okay let's see what happens if I put a cuadro into it I, I don't play the maracas but I play a little bit of cuadro and so like the, the cuadro as, as the guitar would do it, it can also give kind of the sense of the rhythm mm -hmm. so I was like okay this this could work now after after that I I started building up the Like I had a list on the left that that had all the my favorite tunes from Bach, and then on the right different rhythms from Venezuela. Venezuela is very rich on different on rhythms. Like um, you could hear a calypso, that it's a rhythm very uh, influenced by by Brazil, and it's played in the south of of Venezuela. Uh, so you could kind of compare it to what the samba would sound, but it's It is different to be, to to be honest, but it has more or less the same uh, type of drums and all of that. Uh, you can have the waltz. We have Venezuelan waltz, of course, coming from from Europe, from, from where when Spain, uh, the Spanish got there to Venezuela. Like we have that 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 part of the European heritage uh, in the in the waltz. It sounds pretty much. Like the one, two, three, one, two, three that you could hear in any waltz, but you can hear it a little bit more uh, syncopated. Dun, da, da, dun, truk, chik, tuk, tuk, chik, tuk, it has it has accents on not not necessarily the one, two, three, but it, it in between. bounces a little more. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more. Exactly. So yeah, that that was pretty much it. Uh, it started being a project that I wanted to do, like for two or three tunes, and then it became uh, an album of twelve. <laughs> and to be honest, I I mean I I I would like to think of doing maybe a, a second part of it because I mean, well, Bach is I don't know. You're not going to run out of Bach tunes no, anytime soon. No, so. no, no, never. Like. It, it, He he has so so many so many different pieces that that we could do things with it. So yeah, so at least I would like to think on uh, back to Venezuela. Yeah, awesome. For <laughs> yeah, anytime soon. I don't know when.
that's the main project that you're touring with now, or what, what are you working on besides that? Well, uh, it is the main project that I've been working on, and it's the, the project that allowed me to launch myself out there as a, as a soloist. Uh, before Back to Venezuela, I would be the, violin of Gael, the violinist of Gaelica, or the violin who plays with Frank Quintero, which is a very well-known singer from the 80s in, in, in Venezuela. Or, like, I played to, for other projects, for other singers, from, for other artists or for other bands, but I, I didn't have something of my own. And that was basically the, the idea of Back to Venezuela. Like, what, what is my voice? Who, who am I as an artist? And what, what am I proposing? Other than adding to, to other people's projects, sure. which I love doing, to be honest. Um, and after that, uh, after that project that made me realize that I do have an own identity as a violinist, well, um, I'm recording right now with my, with my mom. Um, she she came to to live to Miami with me about a year, a year and a couple of months ago, and I I want to take advantage of her being here and and try to put some music together. Uh, she she's a great influence in my life, and having the opportunity to to play with her, uh, it's it's such a blessing. So my mom released. On 1983, her first solo album, which is the, uh, which is also like a trip, like Back to Venezuela, it's a, it's a road trip through Venezuela, uh, but just taking the the excuse of Bach to do that that trip. My mom recorded that album that is called Latin American in the Piano, La- Latin America in the Piano, uh, and she basically did the same thing, or I did the same thing that she did mm-hmm. back then, and recorded academic composers, Latin American composers' music for the piano, only for piano. So we're doing now the same concept, but for piano and violin. I don't like the name Latin America in the piano and the violin, but something will come up uh, at some point. But that's the, that's the concept. That's exactly okay. what we're doing. So we're doing music from Manuel Ponce in, from Mexico. We're doing music from Astor Piazzolla in Argentina. We're doing music from Ernesto Leguan in, in Cuba, which are uh, really well-known composers. Um, we're doing some Venezuelan composers as well. We're trying to get some new Venezuelan composers uh, that are writing music right at this moment for us. So that's very exciting to kind of launch new music that wasn't written before, especially uh, when we come from from academic uh, background. It's like... You you always play things that were, were written twelve two hundred years ago or sure. one hundred years ago. So it is nice to to have the opportunity to to be the first one play, sure. playing that and you know interpreting what whatever that person wanted to to say with that tune. So. Yeah, and then your your version of it will be the definitive version of that tune, right? At least the first one. Yeah. <laughs> At least the first one. Yeah, definitely. So are you doing any of your own writing? To be honest, I I think I've composed one song that I can recall. No, two. Um, the first one was when I was in my first rock band, and I really like it. It's it's a nice tune. At some point, I wish I could record it. It's like a pop rock song, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and then the other one is something that I really would like to do with an electric violin because actually when I recorded like the 
just to have it there to kind of see and play around with a with a logic how to how to do it um I would like to do it with an, an electric violin it's it's more of a layer sound like you could perfectly play with a looper okay. uh, and put one layer on top of the other and jam around it it's it's very nice uh, I use it with a with a delay with a mm -hmm. flashback um mm -hmm. and yeah basically that's that's all I've written i I think I've been more about mixing things together, putting uh, this on that, than than just composing something of my own. But I I guess at some point I would feel the need of doing it. Right now I I I like what I'm doing so far, and I I don't feel that I'm so fluent in that language of just uh, picking ideas from my mind and putting it in, into a paper or or into a recording. But I guess it, it will come. <laughs> This is Gaelica, the band that Daniela toured with for several years. This tune is Jigs from their Latin Grammy-nominated album, Pas Una Navidad Celta in Venezuela. because when you compare it to playing, I've been playing since I was four years old, but let's say professionally, or like really seriously, since I was 12 or 13, I was uh, doing recitals of my own, so uh, like I, I really have carried this uh, career very seriously since I was a kid. But yeah, teaching is something that I really, really enjoy doing. I didn't think I was going to. I never thought I, I, I was able to have the patience to, to sit with whomever, if, if it was a kid or or an adult. I love teaching. I have uh, from four years old all the way up to 30-something years old students and uh, I really like the, the setup of the one-on-one. -on -one. That's, that's the one that I enjoy the most. Um, definitely having the opportunity to, to create that, that moment of click when a student understands something, it's like, oh, it was that way. It's like, oh my God, yes, exactly, it was that way. Right. I, I, I love it. I, I really enjoy it. And, well, I've, I've found a different, uh, not career, because I wouldn't define myself at all as, I con as a conductor, but I started conducting five years ago a uh, uh, children's orchestra. Uh, at a non-profit organization in Miami that's called Miami Music Project. Um, it's an institution that gives free music to students of uh, the low-income uh, communities in, in Miami. 
and it is amazing to be part of that project and I I right now conduct an orchestra that has more or less 40 to 50 students and they're from I would say nine years old up to 12 that's the third level out of five levels that we that we have there and it's an orchestra with all you can have in an orchestra I have strings like all of them I have woodwinds, clarinets, uh, oboes, flutes, and in the brass section I have French horns, trombones, trumpets, I have a very nice percussion section as, as well, so it's challenging, but it's something that I, I found myself enjoying a lot, uh, especially when the concert comes and, they and they're ready to do it, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> like yeah, I can enjoy this. Yeah, but, but it's it's nice. I I truly truly enjoy. It. Yeah, teaching teaching is one of my passions. Um, playing. Well, when when we move, my husband and I moved to to the U.S. Definitely. Uh, fi finding a job was the first thing to do, and I was able to find. Uh, my job in teaching and not in playing at the first uh, at the very beginning so I passed about two years that that I of course practiced at home but I didn't get to perform and there was that point that, that I was like oh my god I, I'm desperate I need to play I need to play and, I, and that's when I started well getting back in my game I, I found a very good friend of mine who plays the guitar and sings so we started jamming out and creating a repertoire and started gigging around and came back to me. Yeah. So, are in your gigging world, is there any improv involved in this, or is it... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I gig uh, in weddings, I gig in restaurants, I, I gig in where, well, where we all gig, I would say. But one of the things that I enjoy the most uh, when gigging is the opportunity of creating at that moment something different, something unique that it's just gonna happen at that moment. So sometimes you get like from the from the bride like I want this song and you just go and perform it. When when that happens you just do what you gotta do but when it doesn't I really like having the opportunity to either fusion uh, uh, a song that we we already know or the, actually the audience already know and trying to put some some impro into it or yeah like do, doing some some solos I, I really like the like the challenge that creates that moment of okay now let's let's do it and trying to understand all the all the harmonies that is happening and um, I believe that playing playing violin doesn't involve that much of harmony concepts at the beginning and that's something that I that I found myself when when I first went to my my first rock band rehearsal. And I said like, okay, here here I am, guys. Where's my music? Like, uh, music? There's some music. Right. Like, how come? What do you want me to yeah. play? Like, how do you guys know what to yeah, play? Yeah, exactly. So like, well, we're playing in D major, so go ahead. And I was like, D major, okay, the D major scale. Let's go D major. And that's that's when I started understanding all the all the harmony part. Not in the not in the paper. Not in like this is a chord. This is no no no. Like really understanding how to how to move in harmony. And I now I try to give that to my to my students because it, it was kind of a shock for me to go there and like oh I try to 
have intro sections with my with my students and give them that that opportunity to create and to also understand how how it moves because it's easier to look at harmony in a keyboard or in a guitar or in a ukulele. Not, not that easy for us violins. I mean, just the fact that to play a chord you really need to have a intermediate uh, level. Yeah, that, that makes it kind of hard to yeah. understand. All right, we've heard a little bit of Bach, and we'll hear some more, but this is not Bach. This is El Diablo Suelto, uh, Joropo by Heraclio Hernandez. You can find this on her YouTube channel. about your process of learning with this band sort of a process by fire and then have you developed a method for maybe trying to explain some of that to your students to be honest no I try my best to get them interested in to take some uh, harmony lessons like really to to go and and study it where I teach in the Miami Music Project we don't have uh, that type of music theory at, the, at that level and usually if you have a private student they're gonna play for their, their instrument lesson and not for a, a, a harmony lesson uh, but um, I don't feel that I'm not, not authorized but like I don't feel that I have the the knowledge I know how to do it I just don't know how to explain it like I didn't learn it because they taught me but just because I I went onto that that wall and boom, 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 until, okay, I see the light. I, I have crossed it. So, yeah, I, I try to always uh, recommend them to, to go and, and, and get some lessons. Uh, I still don't feel that I have that method, but whenever I do, I'll, I'll share it with you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and now that I know about uh, Jeff Schneider, yeah. I would try to, to make them go, go there and try to learn. And I, I'll do that myself as well. So for the listeners, Daniela is a person that I actually became acquainted with on social media. And it just as I was going around and finding violinists that were doing cool stuff, 
um, to listen to. And so we became acquainted on social media and were able to hang out last year at the NAMM show in L.A. and this year again. And it's really been a pleasure following her. And it occurred to me, you know, I ought to interview her for this podcast because she's, you know, we've talked to rock violinists and we've talked to jazz violinists and, you know, a lot of EDM violinists. And there's a bunch of different genres, but I I didn't really feel like we had talked to a person who had taken classical music and then sort of added a unique twist to it. Um, and the whole rock star violinist concept doesn't necessarily just mean some dude in leather pants with long hair who's, you know, <laughs> swinging a bunch of tattoos around. It's it's also just anybody, and the whole purpose of this podcast really is to inspire kids that are growing up to think about music maybe in a different way than what is taught in school and what the the stereotype of what a violin is and should sound like and should be. And just... One of my best friends, a guy named Trip Walmsley, is a bass player. And, and if you really want to get Trip fired up, you tell him what a bass should do. You know, well, the bass should do this. He said, man, don't be telling me about what the bass should be doing. The bass should be doing whatever I tell it to do. So there's not necessarily a defined role for what the violin should do or what rhythms should be played with Bach or what feel box should have those once those notes are out there they're yours to make your artistic decisions with and that's the beauty of art is that you can make whatever decisions you want and those decisions are legitimate yeah so that's that's why daniela's here is part of this rockstar violinist podcast not because what she what she's doing is is in in large part purely classical but in large part very much not what Bach intended, because hmm. he didn't know about Venezuela, um, and but it's the marriage again of two styles. Like black violin is taking classical and blending that with hip hop, hmm. and so Daniela is taking classical music and blending that with traditional Venezuelan feels and sounds and rhythmic concepts, and and I just felt that the the level of creativity and differentness there might be inspiring to some kids. That are that are sort of hey I'm I'm learning some of this Suzuki method stuff and you know I guess I can play it the same way that three and a half million other kids are playing it in the U.S. right now or maybe I can take where I'm from and you know because maybe I don't have a lot of connection to Schubert right that's his life wasn't anything like mine but maybe where I'm from we listen to this other kind of music and maybe I can blend the things that I've learned with that with the things that I have inside of me Definitely. yeah thank you thank you for all the all the beautiful things you, you said about it but yeah it's definitely about that like uh, music is out there uh, and it's uh, once it it goes out of the the musician's instrument uh, we have a recording or whatever it's it's part of you. You, do, you decide how to do it, and, and of course, I'm I'm not talking about copyrights or, or anything in, ter in terms of what Bach did. We're talking about something that it was written more than 200 years ago, and it has been played so many times in so many different ways. Uh, well, one of the things that the 
that inspired me to do Bach to Venezuela. It's an album that is called Bach in Brazil, um, made uh, at least 15, 20 years ago by the Camerata de Brazil. And it all, of course, it's related to uh, rhythms in, in that country. Uh, we have samba, we have some... Uh, it's, it's beautiful. And yeah, I, I felt the, the necessity of, of bringing together my, my roots because, I, uh, as I was telling you earlier, um, yeah, having Venezuela in my in my heart uh, also made me feel like uh, okay, I can, I can express this that I have inside of me by making music. But since I don't sing Horopo or <laughs> and what I really know how to do is play my violin, why don't we put this together and just make make this work? And Bach is such a versatile, uh, versatile uh, composer that you can fit it into uh, I don't know whatever rhythm you you may think of actually i i even did something with a with a with a piece it's, it's a, the minuets by bach the, the g major uh, it's one of the well-known piece by bach and i'm pretty sure that, that you or one of your friends had it as a ringtone on the 90s yeah. so basically we we what we did in the album uh, was twisting that into another rhythm that is called merengue. Merengue from Venezuela, not the one from Dominican Republic, that is awesome as well, but the, the merengue from Dominican Republic is a binary rhythm. It's it's a one, two, one, two, that's basically the rhythm that, that we have from there. In Venezuela, the merengue is a rhythm that is not on two, or on three, or on six, or on nine, it's not binary, it's not ternary. It's on five, mm. so it's a very uneven rhythm, um, and it's basically like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. So what we did with that melody is instead of pum pa da pa pa pum pum pum, we twist it into pa pa da ta 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 so yeah it's, it's basically twisting around the, the piece and putting it into um, I don't know I, when I hear that fusion of, of, of that we did with Vaga I imagine myself in a, a Sunday afternoon in one of the squares in, in Venezuela listening to a retreta that, that would be like a band of woodwinds and and some quatro and traditional music playing. That's what what it used to happen long time ago in in every single plaza or square in 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 Venezuela. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what 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 I did with it. And uh, as I was telling you, Buck is very versatile. You can hear it in rock, you can hear it in blues or in salsa or merengue, whatever. What, however. You want to? He's gonna sound good. And, uh, as I always say, uh, I still haven't had a bad dream or a nightmare with Bach saying like, "Why are you doing this to me?" <laughs> or whatever. So it's like, okay, I'm fine. <laughs>
Bach wrote all this stuff, right? So these concepts didn't exist beforehand. He was an innovator. Yeah. And it's funny to me now, um, I'm friends with Chloe Trevor yeah. on, on Instagram, and, and she's forever getting all this static from people about, well, you're not playing Bach correctly. You know, that you're, that's not the way Bach is played. And to if, if Bach heard Are anybody okay? tell somebody how they should or shouldn't play his music, he'd slap the tar out of them. Oh, no, I, I wrote those notes. They belong to you now. Yeah. And you play them how you want to play them. And so it's funny to hear people that want to stay stuck in whatever year Bach was. My music history is awful. I can tell you when all the Beatles stuff was, but Bach is, I can't remember what year. But people who want to stay stuck in that era and say that, Music hasn't evolved over 300 years. Well, let's let's just get started by saying that nobody really knows how it was at that time because there's no such a thing as a recording. Sure. So how could you tell that that's right or wrong or that's how they play? Or, no, not at all. And uh, Matt, we're talking about music that has been playing over and over and over and over again. So, what is right and what is wrong? Like, we musicians, I thought I come from the... Uh, do you come also from, from like, uh, academic music, like, classical music? Yes. Background? Yeah. So, if we come from there, we, we know that that we're playing the same thing that, that our teacher played, and their teacher played, and everybody plays the same thing. It, it starts with the, with the same minuet, with the same twinkle, twinkle, little star... Why can't you put a twist to it? Like, why why can't you put a mad bell sign into that uh, twinkle, twinkle little star and rock it out? Like, why not? Right. It makes all... Uh, don't get me wrong. I understand there's fundamentals that we need to understand. There's there's an, an intonation that you need to meet in order to... Uh, that's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, like, we need to... Let the everything we need to feel free enough to make our stamp into the music. If not, basically, we're being parrots, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. We're repeating and repeating and repeating, and no, <laughs> that's not what, what, what I like to do. I like to, yeah, put, put my feeling into it like how, how I feel and how I interpret it. And that's, I think, that's the history of art, right? That each generation sort of defines what their rules are, and then the next generation's job is to come and break those mm -hmm. and to find new ways to explore and, and to ask questions that haven't been asked yeah. and to to take the the paradigms of the past and, and blow them out of the water. And personally, I think, you know, like, when you if you've written a song and then you hear another artist do that song in a very different way, you go, wow, there's a lot of joy in that and seeing, wow, that person took my thoughts and was able to turn those thoughts into something that I could have never conceived of. Mm -hmm. I think Bach would be thrilled yeah. to hear this. Oh, you you know, so. might say, hey, you know, maybe that's not my cup of tea, but it's good. You know, maybe Bach wouldn't, he, he doesn't, he wouldn't have understood the whole Venezuelan culture, right? Because he wouldn't have. I didn't know Venezuela was there, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, um, you know, I just, I really think that he would have just been thrilled to hear 
wow, that is a completely different spin on my music that I would have never thought of. And I'm so glad they're doing that. I hope so. Thank you. I, I really hope so. And, well, there's so many different Bach versions of everything that, yeah, he, I don't think there's any other composer that has been versioned as much as him. Um, but, yes, I mean, he's, he's amazing. I think we're continually discovering how... De how deep his genius really was. Yeah. In how, how many ways, <clears throat> excuse me, how many ways we're able to twist his music and have it still be good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I'm a songwriter and, and, and it's, I, I don't know of any of my songs that you could twist as hard as you can twist a box song and still have something good at the end. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Impressive. Impressive. And, and there's, Various things that I feel appealing to Bach. First, he all all of his music was dedicated to to God. So when you hear, well, when I hear Bach, uh, there's something special about his music. I mean, if you just think about the air from the orchestral suite number three, if you really close your eyes and if you you believe. That's how the sky should sound. I don't know. Mm. That's that's so beautiful, and and there are pure melodies. And then when you go to the very uh, heavy part of 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 Bach, like the the Chacon, La, La Chacona, uh, from the Partita Number Two, that's deep. Like when you hear that, it's like, wow, what, what was this man feeling at that moment to to write something so dramatic and so mm -hmm. full of uh, I mean and we're talking about something that I don't know who who other composer has has done such a thing like a 14 minute piece for violin solo in a row with this bunch of super mega difficult stuff to play because we have the the Paganini caprices of course they're they're super super difficult and so but we're talking about what three minute four minute pieces these that, this Chacon is part of a, a whole partita that, I, I don't know, has so many different feelings around it. He, he, he was a special. He was a special, definitely. Uh, different and revolutionary and, and so misunderstand, uh, misunderstood at, at that time. He, he was rene renowned by his playing the organ, but like nobody could understand at that point his compositions. I was like, what? No, 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 Bach is a very good organ player. Leave him there in his church playing his thing. Like, don't, don't even bother thinking about his compositions. And, well, later on, thanks to, to Felix Mendelssohn, is that we get to know his music. And they say that we only know about 10 to 15% of the music that he really wrote. Oh, my goodness. So imagine what are we talking about if... if I, I, have, I don't think I've heard more than... 30% or 40% of the music that, that Bach wrote that we know of. Imagine the, the right. amount of things that he did. He knew how to compose, he knew um, how to make children because he had a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> so that he knew how to do. Um, so that was going to answer my question, why, why Bach and not like, why not Schubert to Venezuela or... Well... <laughs> The Schubert to Venezuela would be probably Schubert in Venezuela because the cool thing about the Bach is that is that play with the back 
to Venezuela and back to Venezuela, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, definitely it's that. I, I, I just I just love the the compositions. I, I love that Bach gave us as violinists the opportunity to play by ourselves. Um, it doesn't happen often. Like there's beautiful music by by Schubert, by Sch uh, I, I don't know by Brahms. The the piano and violin sonatas by Brahms they're they're amazing, but they doesn't make sense without the piano. Or the Mendelssohn concerts, or, or uh, any quartet or octet that they doesn't make sense with the other instruments. Bach uh, was the first one that gave us the opportunity to play by yourself our instrument and to build up harmonies by yourself uh, via arpeggios or via chords. Um, and my teacher, my, my teacher uh, gave me like she passed it on to me that love. For, for Bach, I didn't really understand that. I think mean, I was like, I, I don't like this. But I, I, I got to not only understand, but like to feel kind of a necessity to to play Bach and to learn. And when you see my, my students' repertoire, it's always, always full of Bach. That's another thing that Bach, Bach has. Um, you played from the very beginning the original pieces. Like if you're if you're playing, for example, um, Tchaikovsky. Uh, you don't play in Suzuki one Tchaikovsky or Ch Suzuki two or three or four or five. Like I don't know if there's even a Suzuki piece in Ch in in uh, Tchaikovsky piece in a Suzuki method. I was just sitting here trying to think about that. Yeah. yeah, but or even Mozart. But we have we have melodies uh, by Johann Sebastian Bach from the very beginning. The uh, if I'm not mistaken is the the minuet uh, the pieces 13 14 and 15 of the first Suzuki method are Bach minuets so yeah from the very beginning we're playing music that he wrote himself and and that it sounds pretty cool and that it's meaningful uh, so yeah I, I feel that he has been with me since I was a little kid We mentioned that our sponsor for this episode is Electric Violin Shop. Whether you play a solid body electric like me, an acoustic electric, or you have a pickup or a mic on your regular acoustic violin, Electric Violin Shop is an invaluable resource for you. We work with artists in all genres of music who work in all types of environments, from street performers to church musicians to rock stages to concert halls, indoors, outdoors, from deserts to rainforests and everything in between. We have the instruments, the mics, the pickups, the amps, the effects, pretty much everything you need. And when we don't have what you need, we can usually point you in the right direction to find it. Our staff is comprised solely of string players. We understand you because we are you. So find us on the web at electricviolinshop.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We have the knowledge, the experience, and the free online content to make your musical life better. ElectricViolinShop.com
Kamala would probably come uh, anytime and in this 2018 or well I would start building it again uh, and yeah I feel I feel that it has been nice it, it has the, the project itself has allowed me to go out there tour around uh, last last year we were able to go to Phoenix Arizona to Houston and Dallas Atlanta uh, Orlando so many different places to to share the music and to be honest Matt um, when you go to a news or when you google the word Venezuela there are so many bad things about my country happening there and so many bad news that uh, yeah I get it we we are really in a bad place right now but we have so much culture and cool things to share about my country that I feel like in the necessity of taking the responsibility of sharing the good stuff and since what I know how to do is music well I'll show you about the good rhythms and the good music that we have in Venezuela. That's that's what really I, I want to do. And, for example, for those Venezuelans who know about the rhythms in Venezuela and doesn't know or say, like, Bach, no, that's, like, music for funerals. Right. That's music that, that you only hear in church. Like, you don't want to hear that. And, yeah, there's a very nice way to listen to Bach through different rhythms in Venezuela, for example. See, that's that's the part that hadn't occurred to me. I guess that you really have two audiences, right? Yeah. You're bringing Venezuelan music to people who know Bach, mm -hmm. but you're bringing Bach to people who know Venezuelan music, too. Yeah, yeah, and, and it has been very nice to see how both audiences react to it. Um, I, of course, in Miami, uh, the Venezuelan community has grown a lot. So every time I perform there, I feel like home, like I'm in Venezuela playing. But whenever we go out of Miami, uh, although we have Venezuelan uh, audience coming to it, we, we have had a lot of different Latin American countries coming uh, to, to watch our show. Uh, and of course, uh, American people coming and say like what is this back to Venezuela like I, I just don't understand it and it's it's nice it's nice to see how how they react to it uh, especially when they recognize the tune uh, mm -hmm. when it's when it's for example the air they their faces like changes like Oh wow! Yeah, I, I never thought about this this way, <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, I never heard this. And I have the pleasure of being playing with uh, Venezuelan music rock stars. Uh, I mean it. Like they 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 are well. Actually, we we just came from the the Nam, and uh, I was seeing Juan Ernesto Laya, which is the maraca player that plays with me. Nobody thinks about the maracas other than this instrument that. Uh, we give to, to babies when they're growing up, like yeah. to shake it a little bit, or Latin music, like these maracas, the, the, there are the, the, yeah, like you see them, it's like, oh, there, there are the maracas. But this is a rock star from, the, from that instrument. He actually took the instrument and converted it into a soloist instrument. There's a composition of a uh, Maraca and orchestra concerto written for Juan Solaya. Like a serious piece where the feature instrument, the soloist instrument, is the maraca. That's, That's awesome. how far he, he took that instrument into. 
And yeah, I would definitely invite you and all the people that is listening to this podcast to to check him out and 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 hear what he can do with the with that instrument. And yeah, of course, when when we go and tour and people that has seen that instrument, the maraca, into a baby's hand, just shaking a little bit and see what the instrument can do. It's like, oh my goodness. And yes, we can um, also share about the cuatro, that, that is the, the Venezuelan instrument um, that we... It's kind, of, it, it's kind of in the middle of a guitar and a ukulele, it has four string and it has a very weird intonation. Uh, you know how usually our strings instruments are tuned from the lowest string to the highest string, like mm -hmm. in pitch. Well, uh, the cuatro it's like da 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 da. That's the intonation oh, okay. of it. So uh, it it is really weird at the at the moment where you play. It's like this doesn't feel right. Right. But it's 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 really 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 nice to to hear it play and and I have the the honor and the pleasure to to have co-produced Bach to Venezuela with Henry Linares, which is a quadro player that plays with me, and he is a co-producer of the album because he was the one who actually created the 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 rhythmic basics uh, basis of what we what we did in the album. I I. I gave to to Henry the initial idea, like, okay, for example, we're gonna do the jig from the um, partita number three, and I want to do it in the rhythm of Onda Nueva, which is from Caracas as well, that, that rhythm is from the, the capital. And he said, okay, so we have these chords that I have already harmonized, and I have this rhythm, boom, 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 this is how it's going to sound. So he was the first one recording every single piece. And after he recorded, we started building up together everything. Okay. So that's pretty much how, how it worked. Wow. Yeah. So when you're touring, you're touring with a, with a four-piece. Yes. Band, right? So we're talking about violin, um, maracas, cuatro, and bass. The bass is a very important instrument in, in Venezuelan music. Bass is important music in every in every kind of music. We gotta yeah. we gotta get some rumble down here, yeah. man. It's yeah. weird for a yeah. violinist to say that, but yeah. I'm also a sound man. Yeah, like, we ain't got enough subs. We ain't got enough PA. Yeah, well, we, you were we, you were talking uh, uh, about how important for you it is to have a five, six, seven string violin. Which I, I couldn't even imagine that could Steve uh, exist. The first time I played a seven-string violin, you gotta shake some walls, then, man. Yeah, man, that's amazing. I mean, it, it sounds so good. Um, but yes, definitely having having a bass, uh, being part of the of the project is super important. And it is it is in Venezuelan music the 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 bass as part of it. So you always see like the maracas that is that are pretty Venezuelan. The cuatro that are that is pretty Venezuelan, uh, the harp that is uh, that is not the traditional harp like the classical harp. Uh, it's a little bit more rustic, and uh, it's still wooden wooden harp, but it sounds uh, it doesn't sound as you know how you think of harp and you 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 always feel like there's a bright full thing that like I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. like that perfect moment where the harp sounds. The the Venezuelan harp is a, uh, it's it, it sounds different. It's, it's yeah, it's just rustic. The, the the sound is not as bright and as durable. It's it's more like 
I, I don't know how to say. Like a faster decay. More, more, more of comparing a guitar when you when you plug a guitar and you when you plug a string of the violin mm, that okay. the sound doesn't stay sure. as long. That's more or less the comparison I would make. So the Venezuelan harp is a Venezuelan instrument as well, although it's it, it comes from 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 Europe and, and for from the. And then you have the bass, which is not Venezuela at all, but yes, it's very important as well. Yeah. So when you guys are playing, are you playing, say I've seen a lot of your videos playing smaller venues, radio shows, and all that kind of stuff, but you're also playing big events, right? Yeah, yeah. So what do you guys do to, you know, I'm the electric violin guy, right? So how do you guys get amplified in order to play these, these big events? Well, uh, I like, Playing with my Yamaha, I have a uh, I have a, a Yamaha that I, that I use, and I have a set of pedals that doesn't really apply that much for the project that that I'm doing with Bafto Venezuela. But for example, I have a uh, the the equalizer by Boss that helps a little bit with the with the, with the sound that I'd like to get out of the electric violin, and I have the Holy Grail that also helps with the reverb and, and mm. all that stuff. And lately, I would say in the in the last year, I've performed more with my acoustic violin and with a Fishman pickup. Mm-hmm. And I found a very nice sound out of my violin, and, and I love the fact that it doesn't uh, have to stick or do something that I would think that maybe at some point later could could damage the the varnish or or whatever you make uh, acoustic violins. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever played with a Fishman? Yeah, it it yeah, has sure. this this system where yeah, just, you know it just fits uh, into the notch of your. Uh, have you got the one that goes into the notch of your bridge? Yeah, and and basically the how to put it into the violin is is the same chin rest yep. uh, mechanism where yep. you just, just clamps on the side exactly. So I find it very secure, and I love my violin. And it's uh, like I I got it from my uncle who used to be my violin teacher when I was uh, when I was young. So. That violin is like I I I don't want to do anything that could damage it or right. that could do anything to it. So I feel pretty secure with a with a fishman. That's pretty much what I do with the violin. The quattro uh, he used a DPA uh, mic. Mm-hmm. The maracas use uh, fifty-seven. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, fifty-seven and the bass. He has his his own amplifier. I don't know which one is it, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. But yes, that's that's pretty much how we sound. And when we play in, in larger venues, and we have the the budget, to be honest, uh, to to bring in more to the show, I like to invite a percussionist to to also uh, have the the drum and Afro Venezuelan part of it, and. I also bring my mom to play in the piano. So, yeah, we can we can play Bach to Venezuela from a small uh, set, uh, a, a small setup as it is the duet of violin and cuatro. Just with those two instruments, you can you can have a, a very good sense about what we do. And then it goes to a trio with the bass, to a quartet with the maracas, to a quintet with the percussion, and to a sextet with my, my mom in the piano. Awesome. Yeah. 
So what kind of tour plans have you got for this year, 2018? Well, we are we are planning out to come to the West Coast because we haven't done that. The far as we, we came, like, uh, we, we live in Miami, we're, we're based there, so the far as we came to this part, uh, uh, it was to Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. So now we're trying to, to think on, on doing, we're actually, uh, yeah, already planning the, the tour, how are we going to do it, we're going to rent a van or like uh, how is it gonna work for uh, moving around uh, we were thinking about a week tour and um, maybe planning Phoenix Arizona one more time we would do uh, Salt Lake City Denver Seattle and San Francisco if I'm not mm. mistaken those are the cities that we have already talk to and that we are trying to get confirmations and all, all the conversations that you know that needs to be settled down before you say like okay go we already sure. have it but yeah, yeah. so we we're planning that out i'm super excited in the meantime i'm i'm recording with my mom as i told you and we're playing um in in miami and try to also get the the project to different uh, festivals we we really want to go to European festivals like mm. there's so much uh, there's different a lot, things yeah. Uh, yeah and different things happening and and I feel like I would love to see what's the what's the reaction of the European audience to something like this right to uh, take box music back to Europe where it came from exactly <laughs> and, and bring a little exactly. bring a little guest with it yeah exactly exactly say That's, hello to my little friend yeah 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 and for example taking it to Germany and to see what well what, what people from the country that that man composed like what do you guys think about this you thing? sent your music over we fixed it we're sending it back oh no <laughs> 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 no, well, I, I don't know. I just, I just wish to know what is the, what, what is it that they think of. Well, what, what I can know, the cool thing about uh, this, or one of the cool things about this digital world that we have right now is that you can see uh, where, where are they buying your music, where are they right. getting it from, and I've seen uh, people getting it from China, from Japan, from Australia, from Egypt, from. Turkey and it's like man yeah I, I, if you're buying it I'm, I'm guessing that you really like it because yeah. at this point you can listen to Venezuela in Spotify or even in YouTube if you if you want to but having a bought music like they they, right. they went that means they, a lot when they, somebody buys your yeah, music it does it does especially right now that we, we were talking about like once you release the music it's out there it's, it belongs to the world uh, it didn't used to be that way at some point, but it is right now, and and now we're living out of um, making the concerts happening and living the, that experience that you hear on the album, like really living it into into a show. So, yeah, that's also part of what we want to do. Hopefully, go into some festivals in in Europe, and yeah, trying to plan out the the year to see what what happens and what's what's in there to to the project and. We want to also take it. We we have already done some some things, especially in South Florida, where where we live uh, with someone universities, uh, and trying to teach. I'm a teacher, as I, as I was telling you. So, my shows tend to be a little bit uh, of 
also a class of what's happening here. Like, why, why are we why, why are we mixing this? How did I come out with the idea of putting a merengue with a, with a minuet? Uh, how does the binary rhythm combines to this five eighth rhythm and, and makes this fusion happen? And and then that setup of teaching makes a lot of sense in a university. Um, with music students. Sure. So, yeah, that's basically what we're planning on doing. So I also want to ask, who would have thought that in 2017 that Bach would be releasing music videos? There you go, yes. You did a music video. Um, <laughs> so tell, tell us about this video, because it was great. I saw it and watched it, and, and I loved it. Thank you, man. I'm so glad you liked it. Listen, well, uh, thinking on, on that possibility of going to new new countries to to show this I said like okay I need I need to have all the tools that I need in order to sell the product like how, how do I get there and I, I believe that everything is enters through the site and well we decided to go all in with this video and thinking on the idea of how how to how to put Bach to Venezuela concept into into audiovisuals? Like how how to do it? And I thought about it. I found the first the first thing that I wanted to do is use the harpsichord because harpsichords really define what Baroque music is. Like mm -hmm. uh, starting on classical music period, you are not anymore gonna find a harpsichord. So that's Baroque. That's definitely from from Bach's epoch so yeah that needed to be there that being said the only uh tune or the, the the only track that i recorded that had harpsichord was one that i um fusion with culo puya which you know a little spanish so you know that culo is <laughs> it's basically yeah it's us and and it, like every time i go to a, a an interview in in spanish i said like I cannot say this out my lips. <laughs> Man, it's the name of the of the rhythm and it's the name of the instrument. So the culo puya, uh, it's the name of the set of drums that we have in Venezuela. There are, there are three drums uh, with different pitches and they look basically like this. So the the ending part of the of the oh. drum is it's it's thin, like it it goes from being thick and circle all the way down like if you have an upside down bottle right uh, and uh, well we recorded then the the video with this tune because it, it was the one that has the heart the harpsichord and i i really thought that having the the visual image of the harpsichord seen on a on a beautiful church that we recorded in that is baroque that has this this bunch of uh Rococo uh, retablos. I don't know how to say the retablos, but like these these walls that are yeah. all um, like the carved walls and yeah, exactly. That it, it's a beautiful venue. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. So yeah, basically having that with the three guys playing the the drums, the the culapullas, it was gonna be powerful. That was my idea, only up to there. And then I I run. I had the opportunity to meet this this guy also from Venezuela, and I presented the idea to him. Like, okay, look, I I have this idea, I have this album. Well, what do you think we can do with it? And he came out with this beautiful um, text 
like with the with the whole guideline of how the story was gonna be built. Yeah, there's like, a whole story that's told in the video. Uh-huh. And uh, since Bach's music it was dedicated to, to God, he decided to have an artisan building up a baby Jesus from scratch and then you can see it throughout the, the whole video how the baby Jesus uh, ends up being being complete and being celebrated by people that comes together. The Kula Pujas, the, the, the set of, of drums is used um, for the the fiestas de, de San Juan, like the 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 parties that we celebrate for for one of the saints Saint Saint John I guess mm -hmm. it, it would be in English um, and we celebrate the, the Saint John with with a party outside of the uh, church with the with a rhythm with a with the drums playing and that's how we celebrate the, the saint in Venezuela and I've been to those parties and they're they're not not parties like in 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 my hometown Caracas that they, they are much more in a in a in a really small village that that okay, there's yeah. there. So yeah and I don't know, I, I wish you you could all that are here in this go to YouTube and watch the video because I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's a fantastic video. The the production value is really high. And you can tell that, that you guys didn't you didn't mess around when you were making this video. I, I remember watching the video going, man, she wasn't kidding. Yeah. <laughs> she, she put a real video together here, and it's it's fabulous. So where where do they find it on YouTube? Uh, yeah, you, you just have to go and say, Daniela Padron, back to Venezuela, and the first video that should pop up is that one. Anyway, you're going to see kind of back with a harpsichord with uh, three guys playing drums, so you're not going to miss it. Yeah. And they, one of the... the the cool things that not everybody knows about the video is that Johannes Warschenbach is played by, by my dad. And oh, Anna okay. Magdalena Bach, that is the one that plays the harpsichord, is my mom. So it was a family video. You were just trying to get a discount on the acting fees, right? That's definitely the good point. But <laughs> <laughs> it happened to be that my mom is a piano player so, who could play the harpsichord. And my dad, he's not an actor at all, but he did it so good. And he has kind of like that, I don't know, that, that nose and that feeling. It's just that I don't imagine, like, you don't see a Bach image that is so happy as my dad. Yeah. It's like, Daddy, you, you're smiling too much. Like, okay, but this is Bach with Venezuelan music, so the, he should be happy. Let's, let's make him happy. Like, okay. You're like trying you're to direct your dad. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. having none of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You told me to play the part, I'll play the part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It was so cool, and we had a lot of family and friends coming over to play that party time uh, outside the church. Uh, it, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. I, I, I really am looking forward to keep doing that. I, I, I feel like I have a new passion there with the video. Yeah, video star. Yeah, definitely.
saw yesterday night OK Go performing in Yeah. Oh, you talk about videos. Yeah. Nobody man. can touch their videos. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Like, I, I cannot imagine how fun it is to just start thinking on the next idea, okay? Like, okay, now we have this one. Let's, let's go for the next one. Like, how... Let's get in a car yeah. and drive through a bunch of pianos yeah. and hold a stick out the window <laughs> and hit all the pianos with a stick. You're yeah. like, dude, what are you drinking, man? Yeah. No, no, let's do it. That 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 band is, is amazing musically talking, but the videos they, they are in another level. But yeah, definitely. They got a bigger budget than I do. Oh yeah, and then me too. But listen, they I remember their first video, uh, the one that became the very one with the treadmills. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's not expensive. I don't think that's a very expensive budget video. No, you video. need like eight treadmills. And, and a, a camera and a, yeah. a lot of practice. That for <laughs> yeah. sure you need. A couple so, thousand hours of practice. Yeah, so it's it's nice to see that from low budget and, and from just starting. And to be honest, this Back to Venezuela video wasn't wasn't a high budget uh, video. It, it was, of course, I had the discount on the actors. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, the the church that we found that, like, they, they just let us use the the church for a very uh, small donation price so we we kind of were able to put on together everything uh in in a in a very nice way that uh, like I, I didn't have a budget that that could fit actually i i watched the video right now and it's like man this looks this looks good it looks like it i'll looks be honest good. it looks like a high budget video yeah. it looks like you spent a bunch of money well, I, I did spend some money, and some money, to be honest, that I didn't have, but I, I just believe that it was what, it, what was needed at, at that moment to, to raise up the, the level of the project in order for people to understand what is it and to be able to take it out sure. of, uh, to the world, to, to yeah. sell it. To well, hopefully you get people. some bookings out of that, because it, it definitely shows that you're, you're legit, you know? Thank you. Thank you. But thank you for telling me that. I, I, I'm I'm happy to to hear. I mean, yeah, it, it was it, it was nice. It was it, it was such a good experience. We were recorded in one day. We started at six a.m. and end up like I don't know at ten p.m. It was it was a whole entire day. But it was so fun. It was so fun and well stressing out as well because we had that day. Right, you only get Either one day. you make yeah. it in that day, or well, we gotta edit here or not make this happen. We we were able to record the the part of the drums with a with a fire. That is mm -hmm. something also that happens in Venezuela. The the, the the drum parties like the drum circles, but in the beach with a, with the sand and the fire. It's it's something very typical and very very nice. Uh, when we were recording that, I wasn't supposed to play because it, like the the shooting is just for the drums. But when they were playing, I was like. Wait, man! Wait, wait, wait! I gotta get my violin. I play, I play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I did play with them at that, that point. I, I was at some point feeling that my my violin was gonna burn because the guy was like, I, "I need more light for you. Get down, get down. So get closer to the fire." I was like, oh, "You know this thing's made out of wood, right?" Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know this. Please, <laughs> no. But yeah, definitely was. You need a stunt violin. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. Um, Taylor Davis actually has a stunt violin. All right. Um, she, I don't know if you know her, but she she was one of our interviews, and she's got like a couple of million YouTube subscribers. Wow. And, um, when she does stuff outside in the elements, her good violin doesn't 
go out there. She has a stunt violin. Yeah, well, I... It's just a throwdown. If it gets broken, it's like, well, they're worth a hundred bucks. Well, <laughs> I have uh, I have a stock violin for, for classes, for my lessons. As you know, in Florida, the, the weather is so hit and so humid. It definitely affects every single instrument. And... How do people find you? So your website, your social media, all that. The best way to find me is through my webpage. My website, it's danielapadron.com. That's my name. And yeah, in social media, I'm like Daniela Padron Violin. And I'm trying to be out there as much as I can, showing you what I'm doing with my teaching, with my uh, gigging, with my playing, performing, with my mom. Uh, whatever I'm doing, like I, I, I try to to get in touch with my people, and that's that's how I, that's how I met you. Yeah, so. you're a good follow. I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy your stream. It's thank good. you, thank you. I appreciate that, and always trying to to have to keep both the Spanish and the English uh, right. audience uh, pleased. Of course, I have a very important Spanish uh, follow. In, in Venezuela especially and well, in Miami we have people from so many places in Latin America so yes yeah, so I actually debated doing this interview in Spanish but we're really growing our US audience so I decided to keep it in English you have you have such a good Spanish that you I, I'm <laughs> sure you could do it I think your your Spanish is better than my English so <laughs> oh not not true at all <laughs> oh come on and good pronunciation too. Yeah, so. well, I learned thank in you. La Calle, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for doing this interview. This has been a lot of fun, and I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it. Check Daniela out, DanielaPadron.com, and all of her social media. Um, find her YouTube video; it's amazing. And uh, buy the album. Support artists that are doing cool stuff. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for the for the opportunity to sharing with you all of this cool stuff that has been happening to me, to my life and to my career lately and it is truly my, a pleasure to meet you and to hang around with you and hopefully we can do this even more often. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Thank you, man. for listening to another episode of Rockstar Violinist. Please find Daniela on the platforms that she discussed. Also, check out Electric Violin Shop at electricviolinshop.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, do us a favor and take a second to leave a review and a comment on your platform. That helps us a bunch. Also, please share your favorite episodes with your friends on social media. If you have suggestions for people that we could interview, Hit us up on Facebook and let us know. 
So as always, play loud, play proud, and we'll see you next time. Bye.